As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson on Saturday night top Keenan Stadium following Notre Dame's 45-32 win over North Carolina, which, I mean, I don't know what it looked like on TV at home, Matt, but like it felt like Notre Dame as a program kind of just like cracked their knuckles a little bit, started to play like the team they thought they were when August started, uh, never mind September, and after kind of a few weeks of everything being about the first this, the first that. Uh, for Marcus Freeman, this felt like kind of the first step forward for the program um, post Brian Kelly. Yeah. Did anyone get a chance to ask Mac Brown what the hell North Carolina did on their bye week? That that was like the sloppiest, most undisciplined, worst excuse for a defense I think I've seen in however many years doing this. I mean, it was so bad. And look, credit, credit to Notre Dame for taking advantage of it because I'm not sure Notre Dame of two or three weeks ago could do what they did today. No. Uh, but but to your point, I mean, definitely with all the postgame comments, um, you know, Marcus Freeman, yeah, I'm really happy with the, where this team is progressing. Is it a football team that's getting better? It is. We're playing better. We're practicing better. Um, you know, he talked a lot about, like, this looking like what you hope Notre Dame football, as a brand, so to speak, can be about running the football behind a strong offensive line. Drew Pine had a lot to say about that offensive line. I mean, there's a lot to pick apart with this box score, just as far as firsts and um, comparisons to the first three outings. I mean, you had a couple in-game tweets. I mean, chunk plays, I think they finished with 23 plays of 10 or, 10 or more yards after having 25 total over the first three games of the season. Again, I think Carolina's defense had something to do with that. But Notre Dame was humming. I mean, you know, if not for the the fumble at the end, um, you know, the window dressing on this one does not exist. And this is, what, 52, what, 26 game um, right. in favor of Notre Dame. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw it on TV. Like, that was just a really good defensive play. Like, it, like watching it live, like, I'm like, oh, man, Audrey Kessman just coughed it up right in the end zone. I was like, no, like, the defender flipped him well. The other guy was there to punch it out. Not a whole lot you can do about that. But uh, definitely, like, uh, it, it felt like um, – all right, we're back to normal now. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, yes. Like, this is what it looked like when Notre Dame played Carolina two years ago. And yeah. both teams were much better than they are now. But um, that was a big question mark game back in 2020 coming after, I think, the Clemson game. And Notre Dame physically manhandled 
that team. And they physically manhandled this team. I mean, they ran the ball for 287 yards. Yep. Um, they had 353 total yards, total rushing yards on the season entering today. Um, they had 24 points in the first half. They had 24 points as a season high for a game last week against Marshall. Um, it was definitely a game where <clears throat> I wouldn't say they're coming out party, but like I think it's, it, it was very necessary, one, to put proof behind Marcus Freeman's words, both to us publicly and presumably to his team privately, about what we need to look like in order to succeed, regardless of the results. Um, it gives him some credibility as far as having the the result and the victory and the dominant victory to show that to his team and to show it to them going into a bye week um, where, look, bye week's the best thing in the world if you're coming off a win. It's probably the worst thing in the world if you're coming off a loss. And you've got a really tough opponent coming out on the other side of that in BYU. And, and two and two just looks so much better than one and three. I mean, there's just no way around that. But the way they did it today, definitely encourage you if you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, because, I mean, so much of this season, I think when Tyler Buckner goes down and you see the way Drew Pine played last week, in totality, like, you know, if, this, if the second half was as good as it was going to get, that's not really a brand of football that I think people want to watch for two months. Um, today, 576 total yards. Uh, I'm re- recording this podcast. I'm in the Notre Dame coaches box where Tommy Reese called the game and felt so good about himself. He just left his credential on the floor here. Um, so that's a, a souvenir for somebody in the press box or press box listening to one half of this podcast. Like (laughs) if this is like, if you can get this level of drew pine play moving forward, like then I think you stop looking at Notre Dame season of like, damn, how are they going to get to six wins and start thinking about it? Like, all right, Notre Dame eight wins, you know, could they be better than that? Could, could you still build off of, the season, even if your sort of quarterback of the future isn't part of the solution, um, throwing the ball downfield to Lorenzo Styles. I mean, Logan Diggs, like, I was all for, like, mm-hmm. them focusing on Chris Tyree and Audric Estime and, like, not going back to Logan Diggs for a minute. Um, and Logan Diggs, like, one, great play calls by Tommy Reese. If you're uncovered by, like, 20 yards, that's that's on the offense coordinator. But Logan Diggs also had some nice runs where he got to the outside, uh, you know, was productive was was more than just his two big receptions. So you get three backs who can give you something. Audric Estime is just like a rhinoceros, you know, <laughs> up the middle. Uh, Chris Tyree is showing like a burst and acceleration that he showed in high school and a toughness that I'm not sure that he had um, until this year. Like they've got running backs who are now creating on top of what the offensive line is already creating for them. And I mean, damn, like we saw some of that from Tyree and Estime last week, but that's sort of about it. Um, now to have the line playing well and three backs playing well, in addition to Mayer, um, then I think you can sort of get away with the receivers just being complementary pieces. Um, before you couldn't, because you couldn't, if you can't run the ball, you need your receivers to step up. That wasn't happening. Now you can run the ball and the receivers can sort of chip in where, you know, in play action situations like the Renzo Styles did. Um, that works. That's that's sustainable and attractive offense, which I wasn't sure Noreen was going to get to uh, with Drew Pine after last week. Yeah, if, if you tweeted that credential two weeks ago, fans would have asked you to burn it. Now you could probably sell it on eBay and make yourself a nice <laughs> chunk of change. I did find it noteworthy watching the game. Tyler Buckner's in that box with him. Um, that's good. Like, he's 
like he he took his credential. I don't, I don't see a Tyler Barker credential. <laughs> here. That's too bad. But I mean, th- that's got to be good. And uh, this is me like reading too much into it, of course. But you know, what's more fun, being on the sideline with your college boys or being in a tight press box where Pete's going to record a podcast post game? Like one's more fun than the other, but the other one you're probably going to learn a lot more about what it is you'll actually be doing when you get healthy next year. And it's not, po- and, it's not well, podcasting. It's not podcasting. No, it's not very lucrative business. Um, but and who, who knew Mac Brown had so much Tommy Reese in him, right? Yeah. Uh, during that that rant. <laughs> By the way, much earned rant, I should say. The officiating on both sides was garbage, in my opinion. Between the that pass interference call, the uh, the celebration penalty the for spinning, spinning of the, the ball, yeah, and then you know Dan Orlovsky was all over them for for the targeting call. I did like I appreciate Marcus Freeman. He got asked about it, and he was like, "It doesn't matter whether it was right or wrong. Like this is the same guy who's done it two weeks in a row. And we've got to basically coach that out of him because we've now lost a full game of one of our captains, yeah. uh, five games into the season. So I I think he took a mature response to that, but n- not not a great day for, for the zebras. Uh, but but to your point, I mean. Audrick has 134 rushing yards, first career 100-yard game for him as a rusher. Logan Diggs, 115 between rushing and receiving. Chris Tyree, 104 between him rushing and receiving. Seven different uh, players caught receptions, a season high for Notre Dame today, and that did not include Estime, who I believe was their second-leading receiver, at least in terms of receptions, last week. Um, it was the offense that we'd all been waiting for. There's a lot of Harry Heastan love in, in the post-game press conference, and, and there was a remark about – Drew Pine sharing a moment w- with him, which that's new for me. I don't remember Harry. He said a warm and cuddly relationship with his quarterbacks, both with the Bears and um, and at Notre Dame. But but that's an encouraging sign that they're kind of all in this thing together. Um, third down. They did with Tommy Reese. What's that? He definitely did with Tommy Reese, the player, since he came to work for Tommy Reese, the coach. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, eight of 14 on third downs. Like when you talk about nerding football and running the ball, like those are the things you need to do. They were 10 of 38 on third down in the three games coming into this. Well, that was like, that's huge. That was one of the stats I tweeted out during the game is just like on third downs needing four yards or more, they had been converting at 10.7%. And I think in the first half, yeah, actually I think it might've been early into the fourth quarter. I want to say they were like five of six. Um, so I mean they they just had nothing working for them when they needed more than nine feet. And today to, you know, be able to get on the flat, like I love the I think it was a third and one call where they had been pounding up the middle and then they gave it to Logan Diggs, who had like a nine yard run to the right around um Blake Fisher. I don't know if Tosh Baker was in the game at that point. But Blake Fisher poked in the eye, head injury, um I think he'll be fine. Uh, DJ Brown was a hamstring. Kevin Bauman out for the year with the ACL. That was sort of like uh, the injury update for Marcus Freeman after the game. But point being, like, it was it was more creative play calling. They were able to hit North Carolina sort of wherever they wanted to hit them. Um, and I realized, yeah, it's Gene Chizik and Mac Brown and a program that's not known for playing defense at all. Um, but – Notre Dame was not known for playing offense this season. So, so something had to give there, and it was North Carolina and not Notre Dame. So I think it gives Notre Dame like some real ground to stand on and say, like, hey, that's is there are there are parts that might not work as well against real defenses, but there are parts and you know, identity that popped up today here in Chapel Hill that like to to date we had only seen like in 
just very brief flashes against Cal in the second half. That was it. Um, so that's to me that's significant. I mean, the the, the Gene Chizik remade defense. I just can't get over how bad they are because they hired him in 2015 to fix their defense, and they damn near won the ACC and made the playoff that year. Like the guy knows what he's doing. It just isn't working right now for Carolina, and Notre Dame was able to take advantage of that. I mean, you know, I think we may have judged them a little too harsh last week, Notre Dame that is, against Cal, given what happened in the two weeks leading up to that. I mean, just looking at some numbers after the fact, I mean, that was just – Cal's a good defensive team. That was only the fifth time in their last 27 games they have given up more than 21 points, and Notre Dame scored 24 with a backup quarterback. Uh, so I, I think when you know you asked Marcus Reeben, and I believe you asked a couple of players this post game about like you didn't want to lose and start off the way you did, but because you did, were you able to coach them out of certain habits? Were you able to to teach them certain lessons that they otherwise would not be able to learn? And I think we're seeing that with this team right now. I think you know the, the game goes final. ESPN puts up the graphic of Notre Dame's schedule. And, you know, at least personally speaking, like I go from two weeks ago, oh, my God, they lost to Marshall. Who are they ever going to beat to, yes. hey, they just put up 576 yards of offense after putting up 901 in three games total coming into this game. Look at that schedule. Yeah, Clemson's scary. Yeah, USC's scary. BYU, probably a toss up. But like, I'm not scared of... BC, Navy, Stanford, you know, you know what I mean? Like after yeah. seeing Notre Dame look like the Notre Dame I'm used to seeing and that I expected to see this year, like, I, and again, like crazy stuff happens as we've seen this year. Um, like, yeah, eight and four. I I would have probably laughed at that a week ago, even after the Cowlin. Right now I'm like, oh yeah, eight and four. Like, Well, you probably would have laughed possible. at it three weeks ago, but for completely different reasons, right? Oh, like, I, I would have laughed at a winning record three weeks ago. I mean, if you can't no, be Marshall. I'm, I'm saying four weeks ago, like when we were recording the post-game podcast after Ohio State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea Notre Dame was going to go 8-4 and four seemed ridiculous. And then a week later when they lost to Marshall, the idea Notre Dame was going to go 8-4 and four seemed ridiculous, but <laughs> it was a different kind of ridiculous. And now it just, I don't know, it just feels like, I think I said this at the top of the podcast, like there was so much energy and oxygen spent on the first win when is it going to come marcus freeman first coach to start zero and three at notre dame almost the first season to start zero and three since 2007 there was just like a lot a lot pent up in that and then today just sort of felt like the first step beyond is it's weird because it felt like the first step beyond that but also familiar to like what notre dame has been over the last five years right like Somehow it felt like moving on Brian, beyond moving beyond Brian Kelly, but at the same time, like a return to how Notre Dame used to play all the time when, you know, when Brian Kelly was the head coach, they just like would beat the crap out of you. Um, you know, maybe they'd give up some junk late, but like physically dominant. Um, and Notre, Notre Dame was physically dominant today against North Carolina. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Tommy Reese is trending again today, but for far different reasons than why he was trending uh, a week ago at, at this time. They ran 85 plays, and they probably could have run more. And again, their season high was 75 two weeks ago against Marshall. I mean, they had 48 plays against Ohio State, who, by the way, is about to go up 21 nothing on Wisconsin 10 minutes in, and that's a really good Wisconsin defense, or so we were led to believe. So holding Ohio State to 21 points in the opener will look better and better in retrospect. If C.J. Stroud doesn't win the Heisman, 
you can blame Notre Dame for that because they really screwed up his numbers uh, with the way they played. And there's a Buckeye touchdown right there as we speak. Um, but no, I mean, it just it just felt familiar. It, it felt the way it was supposed to feel. And it felt the way that everyone we talked to, I mean, I know who I talked to and, and I think you had the same kind of feedback as well. This was the vision Marcus Freeman had, Tommy Reese had, albeit with a different quarterback, of how Notre Dame was supposed to play football. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, we, we we can get to the defense. I didn't think they were great, but like, you know, Carolina for as bad as they are on defense is a hell of an offense. I mean, they were putting right. video game like numbers up coming into this game. Now their competition wasn't all that great at all. Um, but Drake May's a hell of a passer. Phil Long yes. is a hell of a play caller. Uh, they've got some weapons at receiver that Notre Dame could really use <laughs> right now, yes. or at least Multiples. later on in this season. Um, and I thought the defense. No, I'm surprised they only got that one turnover and that it came off essentially a, a late, you know, uh, fumble by, by Drake May after a sack. Like I thought coming in the game, I know you you picked Carolina, right? To win a, a close one, not to, yeah, like 28, right. 28, 24. Or, yeah, I think it was about that. I just I I thought North Carolina would win a game that was in the style of how Notre Dame wanted to play it. When in fact, what happened was Notre Dame won a game in the style that North Carolina wanted to play it. So it was like Notre Dame dictated the pace of play, but they stole North Carolina's pace. Um, and North Carolina, like suddenly they couldn't keep up, which look when the game was a 14, 14, um, it looked, it felt maybe it was a good first bit, half. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a little bit more back and forth, a little bit more like I felt either. I thought Notre Dame looked better. Um, it wasn't a situation where I thought that, um, yeah, they weren't going to be able to keep up either. And I think that's an, another thing to throw into like this sort of growth mindset category is like, I thought that the way Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese managed the end of the first half and the beginning of the second was really well done. Mm-hmm. They score a touchdown to go up, I think 21, uh, 21, 14, they get a three and out. They sort of milk the clock. They milk the clock in that drive, then get a three and out. So North Carolina is not playing with a whole lot. You have to get a quick sudden change to get the ball back. They do. It looks the, the offense looks very crisp, um, very functional, just like sort of like you know what good offenses look like. They go down and kick a field goal, banking on the fact that right after halftime they get the ball, they're going to be able to go down and score again. That's what they do. So it's like the game ended in sort of that eight minute stretch, four minutes of the end of the first half. Four, or maybe even less than four minutes at the start of the second half where Notre Dame was suddenly up, I think, 
31, 14. Um, and I think for the last three weeks, there's, there's been moments at the end of halves where you're just like, what are they doing here? Like, mm-hmm. why don't they take a shot against Cal or why are they running out the clock at Ohio state? Like I, there were, there was, or, 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 or did they take a timeout? Yeah. They took the timeout at Ohio state. Which yeah, didn't, yeah. Ma- didn't make any sense. And so missed Lindsay again, or Lindsay missed them. Exactly. Yeah. So, but today it felt like the plan worked and it was well executed. Like from a strategic coaching point of view, which goes above and beyond sort of like the offensive line playing better or the defense playing better. Like it just felt like a well-organized machine. Like there was one team that was well-coached and it wasn't coached by the guy who's won 270 games in a national championship. It wasn't coached by the guy whose defense coordinator has won a national championship. You know, it wasn't coached by the offensive coordinator. I think is sort of seen as like an established big name in the industry. It was, it was Marcus Freeman, Al Golden, Tom Maurice. They were the ones that won the coaching battle. It wasn't – I mean, can you imagine if, Mar- if Marcus Freeman got a sideline conduct penalty? Like, how much time we would spend on that? I mean, and- I didn't think – but, like, you look at the context of that situation. One, it was an egregious call. Two, you want to fire your team up. Three, it goes from first and goal at the one to first and goal at the half-yard line. Like, I don't think – like it was then, good for TV, but I don't think he cost his team anything by doing it. I think it was well, like screw it. I think he cost his team something in the sense like we we and maybe there's no causal relationship to this. The fact that you have a cornerback drilling Audric Estimate out of bounds and then hitting a teammate in the head in a play later, you have a linebacker, I think, hitting Drew Pine out of bounds. Like North Carolina went from like shaky discipline to no discipline right when Mac Brown lost his stuff. Um and I, I mean, think, I, like, I, 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 I see I what it. you're we getting. Like background, but like, I'm just, my point more is like, if Marcus Freeman had done that, he would be getting destroyed right well, now. Well, but Tommy Reese did worse last week, and Notre Dame responded well. Well, he didn't get a penalty. No, but like he so went that's, viral, that's, and that's like their worse, T-shirts right? made now. Like if well, Drew Pine melted down, somebody was like, "Hey, Tommy Reese, do your effing job," and it was like one of his friends because he went yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's like Barstool selling shirts now. It's a rallying cry because it worked, but like I don't. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying fundamentally, but like to me, that was such an egregious call that I wouldn't say ruined any chance of North Carolina winning this game, but sure as hell, like sank the win probability. Like yeah. that was a big fourth down stop that the officials, in my opinion, screwed up by throwing a late flag. And I don't think that penalty, like you didn't lose yards on it. It was first and goal from That's, the one, first and goal from the one. Like, yeah, I just you're like strategically, you're right. I think sort of in the the sort of vibe of the game, North Carolina became sort of unhinged in that sure. moment. Um, so maybe, yeah, I think maybe we both have points on that one. But it was just, but I mean, the bigger thing here is like, I thought that the organization of Notre Dame, how they managed the end of the half, the start of the half, I think at until maybe the targeting penalty, they had, had one penalty for five yards in the entire mm-hmm. game. Um, no real operational errors. I mean, I think there was one false start, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but last week there were four by halftime. And I mean, it, and they were killers because it seemed like every false start was on a third and three that turned into a third and eight that Notre Dame couldn't convert. So it just felt like a clean game played by a team that was well prepared and well coached. And that that is all significant progress for a first-time head coach. It would be stuff that we wouldn't even mention if sure. this was last year and Brian Kelly was the head no, coach. I mean, <clears throat> but he's not. Like the, They have a new guy that has to we, do all this stuff for the first time. 
we, we made the joke last week about winning is hard. I made the yeah. joke Marcus plenty of times in real time. Uh, what's that? He even said it after the game last week. Winning no, I know, hard. I know. That's yeah. why it was doubly funny. But like, I even remember saying multiple times on this podcast, like, anytime Notre Dame would beat a Georgia Tech or a Navy, I'm like, yeah, at some point they've got to get bored of this, right? Like, just beating up. Like, it takes, like, I don't know what Brian Kelly's secret sauce is, but to get them to consistently play at or near their peak for games that, like, <laughs> as podcasters, we probably don't get as um, juiced up for as, say, Clemson or USC. Like, there's something to be said for that. And to that point, I mean, I'm watching this game on TV and fourth and two from the 22, they kick a field goal to go up 24-14 um, with 23 seconds left in the first half. And, like, just my gut instinct, independent of, like, the bigger pictures, fourth and two, go for it. You're running the ball. Like, like right. end the game. Even though that's, like, a fan's reaction. That's not a sound reaction when you can go up 10 and get the ball back and know the way you're moving the ball. But I think even the announcers were like, I'm surprised they're not going for it here. Like, like winning can be boring. Like, take the yeah. three three points. Go up 10. Because it all, it all fit into getting the ball yes. first in the second half. Like, if they didn't, I might have felt differently about that. But it, it just felt like a cohesive plan that wasn't just, like, the next play. It was, like, one thing built on another. Um, you know, as I, I remember... I talked to Drew Pine after the game and asked him a little bit about um, I think it was the it wasn't the touchdown to Logan Diggs. It was the first one where he found him on the sideline to his mm-hmm. right. And he said, like, that was a direct byproduct of they ran naked to the outside and Drew Pine didn't look for Logan Diggs. He was looking for something else. I, I don't know what happened on the play, but like upstairs they spotted like wow north carolina's linebackers don't follow the running back into the flat that way so like let's come right back to that and sure enough they found it you know they, they hit it for a wide open you know, like explosive play like it was just like very well done um across the board from a coaching point of view where they 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 forced north carolina into some mistakes and they took advantage of the crap north carolina puts out there defensively too like they made North Carolina pay for some of their own like nonsense on that side of the ball. And that's, again, it's like, I, I think there were some people on Twitter would be like, well, Notre Dame should have done this. It was North Carolina. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that, but after the last they weren't doing weeks, it against Marshall. Yeah. yeah like yeah. over the last three weeks, can you sit there and say Notre Dame should do anything against anybody offensively? I, I'm not so sure. Um, so yeah, they, they took advantage of the, the hot mess that North Carolina is defensively, but you got to have a sound offensive game plan. It's got to be well run and well executed to take advantage of that. Um, otherwise, you're you're just hoping. Um, and it didn't feel like Notre Dame came into this game hoping that they were going to move the ball in North Carolina. They came into this game expecting they were going to move the ball in North Carolina, believing they were going to move the ball in North Carolina. And it just it just looked like a very well run operation today. And that is a that's a big step forward from the last three weeks. Just one punt. Like, that, that's pretty darn good. I'm what do I do with players. all these John Sott quotes I was saving for the bye week? Like, now, now I feel like John Sott is just an afterthought after today. <laughs> the, how it should be, with all due respect to John Sott. Oh, um, God. Michael Mayer had one of the more impressive seven-catch, 88-yard days I think you'll see. Like, I, I'm, I'm, like, refreshing this box score to make sure that's he correct because it felt like he had so much more game. Yeah. Well, it's I, yeah, the touchdown that wasn't. Because, like, again, he, he stepped out of bounds. Um, but it just felt like a big brother, little brother play uh, in the end zone. I think it was Storm Duck was the corner he was matched up with. Like, 
just sort of toying with people. Um, I also don't understand how Cal and Marshall can leave him uncovered multiple times. Like just, I don't care what threat you think Notre Dame's wide receivers are posing down the field on deep shots. Leaving Michael Mayer uncovered trailing underneath is never a good idea. Like that just, that makes no sense whatsoever. But so North Carolina did and Drew Pine took advantage. So it's, um, yeah, I just, what did you, I mean, what did you think um, from the TV point of view of the way Pine played and managed the game? Cause I thought that he was, he was more, he was much more than a game manager tonight or today, I thought, which is kind of a, that's a pretty big step from last week. Definitely. Especially when you look at the, you know, we've got eight games left this year. I, I thought he was good. Like I don't like he had a, an egregious miss to uh, Michael Mayer, I think at the end of the first half. Uh, on the right side with less than a minute left. Mayer was wide open down the sideline and he just completely underthrew him. Oh, yeah, he was, he was running. It was like, yeah, he yeah. was fundamentally off on the throw. It, it was yeah. really bad. And it got, it gives you like, you know, at that point, I think it's a three point game and Carolina's moving the ball and you're getting flashbacks to last week. But yeah. other than that, I thought he played extremely well. I mean, he, they had how many straight running plays in the fourth quarter? They threw one pass in the fourth quarter. That's yeah, it. I think it might was, have been one too many given the way they. <laughs> I think it was 13 runs and one pass in the fourth quarter. Uh, I have to go back and double check my stats on that. But like it, but they're only in position to do that because he made the throws he needed. Right. To make. Yeah, he's he seems like a very good quarterback within the structure of a run first offense. Um, you're you were you would never ask him to run the offense that Drake May runs. Um, and like the reason I thought North Carolina would <laughs> win the game is Drake May had more like physical ability than Drew Pine, which I think you saw like the arm strength there is pretty next level. Um, but Notre Dame got after him and he did not have the benefit of a run game at all. Um, I thought that Notre Dame defensively did an excellent job after the first drive of taking away Drake May, the runner. Um, but I thought they did an excellent job in the entire game of taking away North Carolina's running backs. Like they're, they were no threat at all um, to do any damage on the ground. It was all, it was all sort of Drake may on that first drive. And then their their Omari and Hampton 10 carries for 28 yards. Drake may finished with 13 <laughs> carries for 36 yards. He was sacked three times and they got sort of under, you know, belies the, how effective he was at the beginning of the game. But for, for a team wise, North Carolina 28 carries for 66 yards, like, that's a real good stat for Notre Dame's rush defense, which I, I think I had been a little bit. Um, I just wanted to see more from over the last few weeks. Like it's not like they had played poorly. I just wanted to see them play really well. They played really well tonight. It's you know Drake May. He finished seventeen to thirty two for three hundred one yards and five touchdowns. Right. Like you look um, at that box score, it's like wow. The dude, the dude has got some skills, but it, again, it's like garbage time stuff at the end um you see all the physical ability in the world is there but uh was not able to put it all together in a in a winning effort and so much of that has to do with al golden and the defense and the way they played tonight they did, they did an excellent job the so like i you had to write a prediction um like i i thought notre dame would go if people ask me who i thought would win this game i, I said notre dame and look Sure as hell wouldn't put any money uh, or trust these guys with my money, at least coming into today. Um, but I thought they'd win because I thought they'd found maybe something to build off offensively in the second half of last week. And I thought this was the perfect 
opponent to continue to build that on. But really what I thought was, to your point, like that front seven played really good last week. The pass rush got home. I thought they were going to get better, and I just you know, a lot of times turnovers are luck. The fact that they came into this game without any turnovers, I, I just thought today was going to be the coming out party for the defense as far as they'll get a couple picks. They'll, they'll come up with a fumble recovery in the red zone. Do, you know, do do a couple things, get a few ball bounces, bounces, bounces going their way, um, in a way they had in all year, and what was pretty much the opposite of the last drive of last week where it looked like they had two different turnovers that would have ended the game. Like I just think in football, those things come around and they still haven't for Notre Dame's defense, which I think no. is encouraging because yeah. again, it's, it's going to happen eventually. That dam's going to break and, and that's going to make this team more dynamic. Uh, but that was my thinking coming in. Like, yeah, Carolina's got a good offense, but their defense is terrible. Notre Dame will move the ball. Um, and I think a Notre Dame, you know, takeaway or two will ultimately decide it. Obviously it played out much differently than that, but um, I mean, the, the idea that I mean, if estimate holds onto the ball going in the end zone and they finish, it's fifty two twenty six. Like, if you had said that was going to be the final score, I just I was like, all right, give me a break. Like, I, I didn't think Notre Dame had like fifty two points of offensive efficiency within it within its game plan. On top of what you just said, right? Like, there was nothing cheap about it. There was not no not a pick six, not a scoop and score, strip sack no special teams, you know, field flipping plays. It was just the offense going out and running it down North Carolina's throat and Drew Pine being a very efficient throwing when he had to throw it. And like this, this game felt much more like a 28 point margin of victory than the 13 point margin of victory that I'm staring at across the the way here. Um, It just felt like, no, like the performance was better than the final score. Um, and the performance like was much more indicative of a four touchdown win than a game where an outside kick would even be bothered with. Yeah. But Bob Lashews was on the call. He called the jets miraculous comeback last week. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's seen some crazy stuff happen within the last seven days. I wonder what's going through his mind right now. Michael Mayer, by the way, had coming into the game, this surprised me. Um, I don't know if it would have surprised you. He had 15 catches for 145 yards and two touchdowns, which, like, however I felt about his box score of today, I feel the opposite about his season box score coming into today. Like, it just felt like he hadn't been used nearly as much as he should be given his talent, all, yep. even though those numbers are pretty good, all things considered. Whereas Certainly. today it just felt like, he was making plays left and right. And he, he was to an extent. And Marcus Freeman, to his credit, post game basically said, like, if we're not doing everything we can to get the ball in 87's hands, we're doing it wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they a jet sweep, right. play, a pass motion. Like, you never, ever, ever see that happen. Like, I don't know. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen a tight end take, like, a motion pass like that before. Um, not not Maybe Dame. Wisconsin, where all they have are fullbacks and tight ends, yeah. and they kind of. It harkened back to the other. last time I was here when uh, Ben Skoranek had an end-around pass, and I asked Brian Kelly after the game about it, and he's like, he had to score, otherwise people like Pete Sampson are going to give me crap about it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was just creative play calling. Um, you know, and that that is one of the things I think has sort of been lost a little bit on with Reese. It's like, if you have very little at the receiver position, it's pretty easy to key on one guy 
the fact that teams have a hard time figuring out where Michael Mayer is and where he's going uh, is a credit to the guy who's calling him open uh, being Reese. So it, um, I think that's just like a, yet another part of tonight's or today's game that, you know, Reese was, did a really, really nice job. Um, but I think he's done a good job of that. Uh, certainly, you know, like last week when Pine overshoots Mayer in the first half, uh, or, you know, you, you mentioned him missing him on the sideline here. Like the guy is getting open, um, in part because he's a really good route runner. Uh, but also in part because Reese has been able to like scheme him open as well. And that's, that's been, that's been impressive to watch. 30, 13 time of possession, five minutes better than last week, which I believe was the only one this year where they actually won that battle. Um, which again is a battle we are used to, to seeing them win and, and a battle. They obviously will continue to build off during the bye week and going into Vegas in two weeks. What are your bye week plans, Mr. Sampson? Are we going apple picking together this weekend or what, what are we doing? Um, well, I, I'm going to go to a youth soccer game next Saturday. Um, I had to miss Tate's game today. Um, so that I'll enjoy that. Maybe, maybe an apple would be picked. Um, some cider purchased. It'll be October, uh, October 1st. A, a bonfire in the backyard. Um, I think all, all those things are in play. So, it, uh, yeah, I expect, it, I think, probably some football to be watched, too, because I have not watched a whole lot of college football outside of the team that I cover. Um, and when you send your Heisman straw poll reminders at 2.30 in the morning, I'm always like, God, man, I haven't watched any you of these put games. Michael Penix first. That was yeah, perfectly fine after the performance. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, may have to stick with that, depending on how Washington does tonight. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's be probably watching a little college football on my couch, sitting in my backyard in front of a bonfire, maybe – some apple cider, maybe something a little bit stronger mixed in with it. Who knows? I mean, the world is my oyster next week, next Saturday. And you got to recharge before you go to Vegas. I mean, you can't the, go into Vegas that, tired. That part is absolutely true. Um, it's funny you say all that about Heisman right now. Is I watch Ohio State 20 nothing early in the second quarter, and they're showing poor Jackson Smith and Jigba and street clothes on the sideline. They keep showing replays of the Brandon Joseph hit that basically is the reason he still hasn't played full strength yet. Um, another Heisman candidate on Ohio State that can uh, – Thank Notre Dame when he doesn't win it later this year for far different reasons. But uh, I was also, this was the first day I've been on the road more than you because I did a week zero game in Champaign and I don't live in South Bend. So I actually have to drive, you know, an hour and a half or so each way when I go to those games. So I will say like nothing compares to being in the game day environment. Like I don't care who's playing, but boy, did I get a lot done today as far as like story ideas and, and, keeping tabs on all the games and working ahead toward next week and um, coming up with bi-week plans. And, and yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be in Vegas, so we will definitely need to recharge for that one. We, we will have shows this week. You might even hear from a guy you just listened to for three hours calling the game, depending on schedules um, as a special guest, but um, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's weird. It's early bye week very early. Um, they usually with this independent schedule, get. <laughs> This may be actually the first time in Notre Dame history that the bye week is not is not coming at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> a standard a standard question for every bye week, but I just don't think it's the case. Um, I think if, if Notre Dame after tonight or after today and tonight would prefer to just sort of keep going, um, you know, I think they they finally have figured out not that they figured out who they are, but they showed who they thought they were the whole time uh, and. But you got eventually if you keep missing that, if you keep misfiring, then you have to you you 
stop believing that's who you are. Um, but I think after tonight, that belief gets reinforced. I think Marcus Freeman's belief in himself gets reinforced a little bit. So, I, I mean, it's a very significant win uh, for reasons beyond Tommy Reese, beyond Drew Pine, um, beyond Al Golden. Like, I think it just feels like a program that kind of got back in gear maybe a little bit later than people wanted, um, but got back in gear. And like where I was sort of asking Marcus Freeman about that after the game was like, essentially the crux of the question was like, never waste a failure, which is like a Nick Saban saying. Um, they did not waste the last three weeks. They didn't wallow in the last three weeks. They figured out how to dig themselves out of the hole that they created. Um, and that's good coaching. That's good program management. I think, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman should feel feel really good about where things stand right now, even though they're still playing a backup quarterback. They still have some questions at receiver. Um, you know, I think their secondary is going to get stretched more and more throughout the season, but there's, there's a lot for Marcus Freeman to feel good about going into the bye week. Absolutely. Um, that's all I've got from here. Look forward to hearing from our guests and our listeners later this week. We'll, we'll, we'll have some good stuff this week. I know it's a bye week. Uh, I know there's no media access, but Boy, everyone's just in a better, calmer, less tense mood right now than they were even after the Ooh, win of last boy, week. Boy, yeah. No, I, I feel better too. It's just like it's, <laughs> it's going to be a much more enjoyable bye week for the media on top of uh, the fan base and the football program. So on that note, I'm going to get to writing here at uh, up top Keenan Stadium after Notre Dame's 45-32 win over North Carolina. It gets Notre Dame to 2-2, two and two, gets Marcus Freeman his first road win, but much more importantly, sort of gets the program back to – 500 from a record point of view, but I think gets them a few steps beyond that in terms of just like its overall mentality and confidence. So pretty significant stuff here from North Carolina as the Irish physically manhandled the Tar Heels 45-32 to move to 2-2 two and two on the season. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Shamrock. We will definitely be back during the bye week for, with our next show. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on The Shamrock.